try to not talk too much. Uh, feels like I've been talking a lot. <laughs> uh, uh, before I even get into any of this stuff, Captain uh, Jimba is in town. He's going to be teaching. I think he's actually teaching tonight. It's a bummer. <laughs> uh, I didn't, did you see that? So you know why Jimbo is in town is uh, because of the earthquake that happened in Haiti. How long has it been now? Two years. Uh, two years. So he went there first on a mission to get his father out because his father was crying, "Get me out of here!" And he and he felt uh, uh, anxious. He had to go over there to rescue his father, and he ended up setting up a clinic to treat the people in the neighborhood and the word spread and he's been invited, he was invited by other people in other neighborhoods to go and treat them. He's a, he's a somewhat of a natural path in training. Uh, he goes there with uh, Yulia who's a fully certified natural path and psychologist and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I went there the first year to sort of my Jews, so to speak, and uh, he went back again twice, and you feel like uh, there are some people who's kept in contact with uh, Julia and Jimpa, and they've been sort of asking, okay, when are you going to go again? So I said, okay, I guess the request is made, and some people have uh, donated uh, uh, naturopathic kind of uh, medicine. So they're here, someone paid for them to come here, someone paid for them to go to, to, go to Haiti, and they have some money <laughs> to stay in Haiti, to be able to eat, house themselves, and be able to go back, and do their, go back into their retreats. So they came out of the retreat just to do the service. And it's because of uh, your help and your donations that they're able to do this. So the people of Haiti are thankful for their uh, when they come because the help that they provide they, I'm not saying it just because you know, I know Jimba and he's my best friend but, <laughs> <laughs> but the kind of help that they provide is uh, no one else is providing that help uh, I think it was last year that uh, some other natural path decided to go along with, with them to sort of uh, participate in this, in this service uh, so the people who receive this help are very, very, very uh, thankful, very, very, uh, very grateful. And in the meantime, it actually, uh, I think, it employed uh, there's at least two other natural paths who have been employed because of this. Uh, and the way they are employed is not like a, uh, they're, they're giving money to sort of a clinic or anything like that, and they can charge people, but they. They are provided with a fund so they can uh, eat and house themselves, and so that they can continue to provide free service for the for the for, for, for the people there. So now there's a website and all the, all this kind of stuff, and uh, it, it sort of has a a life of its own. Um, so I had to. 
tell you this so you can so you can go and listen to Jimba and what he's teaching and sorry not tonight. And also when I think Yulia also will be teaching and uh, the, the the perspective from which Jimba gives the Dharma is quite unique. More unique than my perspective. <laughs> uh, he's had uh, quite a bit of uh, extensive training and you know, under the feet of yogis, actually, not just uh, scholars, but actual yogis. And uh, of course, he's been in which sort of even in retreat. Wow, for how long now? Uh, Most of the last six years. Yeah, for about yeah, about six years and some. Yeah. So it's been a retreat. Well, not six years, uh, you know, straight. You know, but most of his time he spent in retreat. And it's not like he did a double, three, or kind of thing like that. No, that's that's different kind of retreat. Uh, uh, so when he teaches the experience that he's had in his retreat, whether he wants to, you know, share it with you or not, comes out. It comes out through his being. It comes out through his words. It comes out through his uh, vocabulary that he that he that he finds himself having to use. So that opportunity is here again. Um, I'm sure somebody has received emails about uh, where he's going to be teaching. If you haven't, I, I just got it like yesterday, and I will send it to everyone on the mailing list. And if you're not on the mailing list, please make sure you get on it if you're interested. Mm-hmm. But I'll send it out to everyone um, tomorrow. Okay. Thanks. And uh, I hate making these kind of appeals for help, but uh, this is something really worthwhile. So they need, they, they have a lot of medicine, they have enough funds so they can go. They would like to be able to do more, so they need some more funding to be able to do that. There's a, the, uh, the area where the earthquake actually completely devastated where the town no longer exists anymore. Uh, they would like to go there because there are a lot of people there who are, lot, for some reason, uh, no, people are, no, what you call that kind of stuff, uh, conspiracy kind of theory about uh, things where most of the people there are imputed, were, are imputees. Uh, it's like, you know, somebody was having a headache or something backache and they went to the hospital, they went to some emergency uh, clinic that was set up and they come out with a missing an arm or missing a leg because you know, the doctors there, you know, a lot of them didn't know what, never had experienced this kind of stuff so when they saw somebody with a bruise in their arm so they thought, oh, let's get rid of this arm before it becomes uh, something else. So a lot of these people are now suffering from the trauma of having gone through the earthquake, the trauma of being homeless, the trauma of having lost a limb. So what what Jimba and Yulia are providing us not just you know medicine but also uh, uh, treatment for these kinds of traumas and that's why that's the main reason they went there to treat the trauma. Okay. So if you can help, it will be uh, it'll be wonderful. I'm not going to say uh, things like uh, trying to make you feel guilty about uh, good merit and that kind of stuff. Okay, that's. Like I said before, that's teaching for beginners. Okay, you're not beginners. I don't have to tell you about this kind of stuff. You want to feel like if it's a worthwhile thing for you to help, you can help. Help. Okay. And uh, again, 
people need information on how to help. Uh, There's an envelope outside. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. So now uh, I've been away, going back and forth into somewhat of a semi-retreats, sort of looking around. I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> what can I say now? Uh, and the same theme, uh, since I was asked to uh, substitute for Gishu <laughs> This is still a substitution, by the way. I'm still waiting for Gishu to come back and say, okay, now you can... Uh, <laughs> now I'll take over. Uh, well, it seems like I'm going to be waiting for quite a bit of time. <laughs> so... Uh, the reason that I dis- decided to teach, is, uh, I, I, even saying the word teaching is feels strange for me because I don't feel like I'm teaching. I feel like I'm just sharing something with you and then if it makes sense, if it helps you, I'm happy. And uh, if I say something stupid, I hope you can uh, help me and say, that was stupid. You can help me. Okay. The, my motivation is to help you make the path real. Always been my motivation in teaching whatever I've taught. Uh, And of course, to share with you my experiences uh, and my observations and to help you avoid certain uh, uh, pitfalls or certain mistakes that I've seen, that I've I've done and I've seen other people having done. So you don't have to do it. I mean, that's the reason that the Buddha taught. Okay. You don't need to ever have, you know, to become fully enlightened. You don't need to ever have to go to listen to a teacher teach. It will take some time, <laughs> actually quite a bit of a time, before you to actually go and discover these things all by yourselves. I mean, it's the nature of our mind. That, that It's the nature of your mind that you actually... Uh, the path is about it's about discovering the nature of your own mind the nature of you so who else can know it better than you so you can go off and start without having to listen to any teacher and then become fully enlightened but if you want the path to be shortened for you then you can go and listen to some teacher who claims to have reached that state that you are aspiring after and you still have to use your own capacity of, of reasoning, your own capacity of analysis, to be able to say, okay, I think what this person is saying makes sense. I think uh, from my own experience, I don't think it, what they're saying is wrong. I can try it out and see if it leads to something worthwhile. Okay. And then perhaps that will help you uh, instead of taking a quadrillion, million, infinite eons, it might take you only three million eons. Okay? <laughs> The essence of the path is really simple. And I've mentioned the simplicity of the path several times, and, uh, and I'll keep mentioning it every once in a while. Whatever, those, whatever exotic practice you're doing, whatever exotic teaching you're listening to, whatever exotic teacher you go to, uh, you go to, to, to listen to, what the essence of what they're saying, telling you is control your mind, with that controlled mind, look at yourself. Look at your nature. 
and just stay there. Now what makes that difficult? Why should it take three countless trillion eons to be able to get to that, to that point? It's because of habits, bad habits. And the bad habit has created something else. Uh, it's going to sound like, uh oh, there he goes again talking about the, that, that step zero. I'm not talking about step zero. Maybe. <laughs> that phrase uh, that is used in Lamrim is before you begin anything, set your motivation. And I'm not going to use that word, set your motivation, because it, be has, it becomes artificial after some time. And I can tell you this with, with, with uh, quite a bit of a degree of confidence, quite a bit degree of, of uh, certainty, that wherever you're going to end up in life, in your existence, is due to what you want. You're already heading to the, to the fulfillment or to the acquiring of the object of your aspirations. You don't have to do much of, a, of an effort to, 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 to get there. And that sounds a bit strange. It should sound a bit strange. So if you end up suffering, you've actually ended up to where you wanted to, to get to. You're saying, wait a minute, nobody wants to suffer. How could I want to suffer and then get to, and finally get to suffering? It's just how existence works. You're always heading, you're always going towards the object of your aspiration. You're always going towards uh, the object of your wants, of what you want. You cannot help it. The thing is, you could say there are two levels of wanting. I'm talking here about the level of wanting that actually drives you to, to action. Whether the action at the level of, uh, at the, uh, what do you call the super, superficial level, whether it is something, whether you are aware of it or not. So, when uh, bodhicitta is defined as a desire, and then bodhicitta is, uh, has, and that desire has to be sort of like uh, uh, redefined, just for the sake of scholars, because, you know, scholars like to, they like to make up stuff. <laughs> no, I don't mean, I don't mean that, I mean Scholars like to elaborate on stuff, or, well, no, no, um, they like to clarify things uh, to a fine, uh, fine level. So what, since desire, wanting is what is supposed to be a bad thing, it's what creates this mess in the first place. Oh, wait a minute. So desire already created something. So samsara is not something that somebody threw at you. It's something that you <laughs> got yourself into. And how did you get it? You wanted it. Not that you, you saw into the, the future, you say, oh, look at this mess over there, let me go over there. This, with this result that we have is just 
through our own effort, we, through our own actions, through our own convictions, we find ourselves in, in, in it. And that's where the bad habit comes in. We have a habit of, create, of, having this, of, of nurturing the desire, the un, this unconscious desire. I, I had a nice phrase that I created back then, uh, which I can remember, unconscious conviction. Did I throw that out? Yeah? Not yet? Oh, here it is. I'm throwing it out right now. <laughs> unconscious convictions. I think I threw that out before. Anyway. Well, it is the unconscious convictions that are driving us, that, are, that is creating our world, that is creating our existence, that is creating the, the kind of being that we find ourselves to be. And we have to go to that level and make a change there. So, this thing called setting your motivation is actually discovering what is it that you want really not just at a superficial level but at a superficial level you can have a demon sitting at that level of the, by demon I mean uh, a drive that is creating samsara and yet we, we operate at a, at a level of denial we operate at a level of, of uh, blindness and then we now I'm using the word the way it is used in Western, Western psychology we project onto that some ideal some ideal uh, aspiration like bodhicitta <laughs> we think that we are aspiring towards enlightenment for the sake of all sentient beings when at the core of what is driving us is just the same thing that is that's created the samsara. And we don't know. And we think that we are bodhisattvas, we think that we are on our way to reach enlightenment, and we find ourselves not getting there, and we are wondering what's happening. I have bodhicitta. Why is it I'm not getting to enlightenment? Because what, it, what is really driving your action, you have no idea what it is. You want, uh, you want samsara, and yet you think what you're wanting is, is nirvana. And since the wanting of samsara is what is at the core of, your, of, of what is driving you, that's why you keep getting samsara. And that's why I mentioned that uh, uh, a while ago. When you really know what you want, when you really set your motivation, the path becomes like a downhill. Everything that you need will just appear. And I think the, at that time I think I quoted, uh, what's his name? Paulo Coelho? Paulo, what's his name? Paulo Coelho, that book that I discovered, I thought I was going to introduce it to you, but hmm. <laughs> I read that book already and now it's... Um, <laughs> where, where somewhere he said that when you know what you want, the universe conspires to help you, and that's that's a that's a, a monumental truth. The thing is, if samsara is what you really want, the universe will conspire to help you get samsara. All the all the all the things that you need to for you to continue to have a samsara existence will be there. You have people irritating you, and you will have nice, beautiful afflictions come up. You have anger, you have uh, jealousy, you have all these beautiful things because that's what you need to continue this kind of, kind of existence. Now when you really want nirvana, 
I mean, you really have, you really know what nirvana is, and you, and then you, and then when you really know what nirvana is, then you can really want it, and when you really want it, then you can, then the universe will conspire. You find teachers, people on the subway will say amazingly profound things to you. People on the corner will will say and do things. You people, you will encounter people where you are begged to to collect merit. And it will just be like a, without without effort. Okay. So if you find yourself struggling, where the path is like an uphill up, uphill battle, that's that's, it, that's mm -hmm. an expression. Uphill battle. It seems sounds correct, but for some reason it doesn't sound too correct. Uphill battle. Is that right? Uphill battle. Yeah. So if you, when the path feels like an uphill bat battle, it seems like. Uh, for every step you make, it feels like you. Feels like uh, it takes almost all your energy to make that one step. And, you, and by the time, by the time you finish making that one step, you feel you are so exhausted because you had to use so much energy. You know what I mean? Uh, somebody comes up to you, and then uh, is a nice person trying to test you, your patience. And then you find your ability to be patient so 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 exhausting. Like it feels like the 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 easiest thing for you to do is just blow your top and then you get out and, and, and that's it. So it's like an exhausting thing just to, to practice patience. It's because maybe you have to really examine what do you really want? And how do you know what you really want? The easiest thing is to see where is your life heading? Where is your life naturally heading? In a sense of what do you find yourself naturally uh, uh, in terms of act actions? What, the, what actions are natural to you? Like when you set your mind to do something, do you find, do you find uh, uh, this thing about the energy, uh, the universe conspiring to help you? You find yourself all of a sudden energized. I'll give you a very uh, easy example. Uh, you're prone to laziness. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's something that requires some exertion. And all of a sudden, you're tired. And then you're struggling to keep yourself awake. You know, you have to study something. You know, there's a, you have to study something. You have to listen to some dharma. You have to go somewhere. You have to go somewhere, and then your mind gives you all. You find all kinds of excuses and, and reasons why you shouldn't go. You find all kinds of reasons why you shouldn't. You don't need to study this, and very good reasons. I'm not talking about you know, awful reasons like you know. Uh, I'm talking about very good reasons. I mean, at least they appear to be very good reasons. And something within you tells you, no, that's a good thing to go to, and you struggle, and you struggle, and you, and in the struggle, by the way, you're earning merit, okay? You're earning merit. But it is so exhausting to be able to do that. And then someone comes and tells you, you know, your favorite movie is playing uh, in New Jersey. And all of a sudden, you're awake, you have all the energy you need, <laughs> All the resources that, that you want to get to New Jersey, and you live all, you know, you probably live in, 
I'll exaggerate. Okay, you live in Connecticut, <laughs> <laughs> and the teaching was, you know, ten minutes away. By the way, and you, you had no energy to go to the teachings. You had no energy to, okay, to go visit that sick person. Okay, the thing that you know is you are told, and you t you can try and convince yourself it's of merit. I have to go do it. It's a good thing to do. It will help me reach enlightenment for the sake of all sentient beings. <laughs> and you just don't have that energy to go to get in that car and drive 10 minutes and you have to sit there for a whole hour. But when your favorite movie is playing the next state, there's no problem in the driving for 44 for an hour. There's no problem, uh, you know, if the movie is three hours, you have all the, uh, all the energy and the awakeness you needed. So why is that? Because at, a, at, at that level of conviction, you told us, you, at the level of conviction, the movie is beneficial. You're already convinced that the movie is beneficial. And you're not yet convinced that, the, that that guy, that dharma, that stuff is re is beneficial. You're not yet convinced. I'm talking about at the deep, real level that drives you, that drives your actions. So that's where you have to make the adjustments. You have to get to the level of conviction. Why am I studying the dharma, this thing they call the dharma in the first place? What's in it for me? It has to be, you have to do it at a very selfish level. What's in it for me? And what's in it for me can be, uh, can end up being an altruistic purpose. It can be something, something completely just for you. But until you convince yourself, until, I'm, I'm not brainwash yourself. That's unfortunately the thing that happens more uh, uh, for a lot of uh, Dharma students or a lot of spiritual people. They brainwash themselves. So they drag themselves to the Dharma Center. They drag themselves to do those to, to do those things. Because they are operating from a conviction of being brainwashed. And your mind knows better. It knows when something is just brainwashing. It knows when it's not at when it's not real conviction. And that's why the, your, your, your mind, your being refuses to give you energy when it's not that you're not really convinced that it's beneficial to you. And when you're convinced it's beneficial, then your mind gives you all the energy you need. There's a teacher. Teaching is fully qualified. You went through all the studies. You went through all the initiations. You went through all the, the retreats completely perfectly qualified and he's very generous with his realizations he doesn't care who you are if you if you are if you are if you have the guts to ask the question he will give you the answer and he's teaching everything he's teaching the highest path the path that everybody is uh, almost uh, uh, breaking themselves to, to learn that they're begging everybody uh, they're begging all the time to, to, to be taught and he's teaching him without any reservations. He's not holding anything back. Whatever he has to tell you, he will tell you. But he's teaching from 9 
to five. Oh, I can't do that. I got recitals. I got the. I got these other things to do. So which one will you do? Which one will you find yourself acting towards? What will drive that action? It's your conviction. If you're convinced that this guy is actually going to teach you how to reach nirvana, what should be the second? What should be the? What should be? What's the thing? second thought? Second guess? Second? What should be? Second. What was that? Priority. Yeah. What should be your priority? The only reason that you would not go to that teaching at 9 to 5 is because you're not convinced either this guy knows anything or that there is a, such a thing as a path to, to enlightenment. That's the only thing at the deep level of conviction that is driving you for you not to go or for you to even consider whether or not you should go. I mean, after you've established that he's qualified, the teaching is, 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 is qualified, it's a qualified teaching, qualified teacher, and now it's just a matter of going there. Yes? But I don't understand very well because I think that it's clear what you want in one term, mm -hmm. and the other thing is that you are struggling in your motivation and your actions. Mm -hmm. So how can you make that alignment between both? Don't kid yourself. Don't, don't kid yourself, don't fool yourself, don't fool yourself to think that you have a conviction when you don't have it yet. If you have questions about this thing that everybody's raving about, don't dismiss the questions. Don't think, don't think that you're evil, don't think that you're sinning because you're questioning something. Because everybody else is saying it's holy. You have to honor that part of you that is questioning it. Because that's where the convictions will be born. If I tell you that the Dalai Lama is a Buddha, oh, you already said that he's a Buddha. If I question that, I'm going to be sinning. I'm going to go to hell. I mean, those are superficial things. If, if there's a question in your mind as to whether that is real or not, then honor that question. Investigate. And it's at, it's at the level of satisfying those investigation that you will gain conviction. Why is that? Because that's, at, that's exactly what you did when I convinced myself that the movie in New Jersey was, was beneficial. And it became so second nature that I don't have to see myself going through the process of investigation, going through the process of seeing what I think is, is, is true. It becomes almost automatic. So we have to honor that place within us that questions. And don't think that you are evil. Don't think that you are sinning. Don't uh, what other words I can use. Don't think that you are. Oh, you're connecting bad karma because you're invest. You're questioning something that you are told is holy. These are these are the rules. It came directly from the Buddha. He spoke them. You better follow them. If you question them, you're going to be creating bad karma. When that is presented to you, stay away from it. When you're, when you're presented something and you're told, don't question it, stay away from it.
one of the qualities that is said to be one of the qualities, one of the beautiful qualities of Dharma. And I'm not talking about Dharma in the sense of you know, Buddhism, you know, Dharma, that which takes you to freedom. Okay, that's what Dharma is supposed to mean. Whatever that is. Okay? So one of the qualities of it is that it invites you to investigate it. If you've been presented something and told this is Dharma, and in front of it, it tells you, don't investigate me, that's not Dharma. Dharma is not afraid to be investigated. Dharma is not afraid for you to question it. If Dharma is afraid of being questioned, there's something wrong with that Dharma. Maybe it's a, a demon in disguise, a motivation in disguise. And a lot of us carry those motivations in disguise. We go to Dharma centers, we go there for years, we help, we volunteer, but deep within us, what we are really hoping is that someone will pat us on the back. Yeah. yeah? Someone will look at us and say, ah, there's a spiritual person. That's your motivation. So somebody could have a, somebody could recognize you for being a holy person. And these things can be, you know, very subtle. We may not, we may not be consciously aware that that's what's driving our actions. When you're doing a good deed, or you're looking around to see who's watching, <laughs> and you slow down, waiting for someone to come in so you can. Now somebody comes in. Okay, now you do the good deed. <laughs> do you feel that you cannot do a good deed? in secret? Do you feel bothered if you do a good deed and no one knows about it? And you have to, that, that sort of tells you, perhaps investigate, what is your real motive? What is your real, what do you really want? Do you know what you really want? Because you're going to get it. What you really want is what you're going to get. If you really want Nirvana, you're going to get it. Even if, every, even if you're the only one on the planet who wants it, you, teachers are going to come, going to rain down on you to show you how to do it. They're going to get into your dreams. They're going to invade your thoughts. They're going to invade your space to show you how to get there. Okay. Even when you're trying to run away from them, <laughs> they're going to corner you. <laughs> but that's what you really want. Okay. Okay. That's all, folks. <laughs> For tonight. Uh, thanks. For listening again. And, uh, we'll come. and uh, I would like to try something new. <laughs> something uh, very, very, very not like, uh, like like the way I used to. I, I find myself having uh, contact with conducting these things. Uh, we will try something, <laughs> not for an indefinite period of time. Let's say six weeks at a time.
we'll investigate for six weeks, we drop it, and then we'll give you time to we'll give you a little break, and then we'll either pick it up again or continue with something else. How's that? Mm-hmm. And it's probably going to take me <laughs> indefinite period of time <laughs> to say when we're going to start, <laughs> but something like that, because uh, I think it helps. Uh, to prepare your mind when you're okay, I have this much time, we don't cover this, sort of sort of help gear your mind. Okay. And that, that I think that's the kind of culture we are we are in right now. Uh, we're not in a culture of my teacher where you have no idea what he's gonna teach. You just better show up. If you think what he's saying is worth saying it, if worth him <laughs> my teacher would say. <laughs> well that teach is not for my benefit. And when someone when someone uh, when someone w- would complain, oh, I can't come that day, uh, my teacher would say, I, I'm not teaching it for my benefit. <laughs> so, if that's when it's going to happen, and if it's going to benefit you, okay, you will show up. If, if it's not going to if it's not going to benefit you, then you will not show up. Um, but times are changing. <laughs> I'm not qualified to teach exactly the way my teacher used to teach. <laughs> so I have to, uh, no, let me say, uh, get with the times. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, even though my teacher has been known to be uh, very traditional, when you go to his class, when you go to his, I'm sorry about that. When you go to his, my teacher, when you we used to go to my teacher's classes, you would think that he's like more traditional than traditional people, more traditional than tradition itself. <laughs> and when visitors come in, you know, from the tradition, <laughs> and that's when you discover that my teacher was actually quite flexible. He was accommodating his audience the way a Buddha teaches. You know? I mean, the, the Buddha taught according to the audience. My teacher was appearing to be very traditional, but he was very untraditional. Wow. And uh, when, you, when, when I discovered that I was flawed, I, uh, I thought I admired him. I didn't, I didn't know how much I admired him. We discovered more and more stuff about him, and he was absolutely, it was truly, it was not quite traditional. <laughs> and I think that that's one of the things that uh, in, in, inspired my approach. I think the word that described him wasn't traditional; it was real. And then that's what I'm trying to do: try to be real. Okay. So. That's it. Really, that's really it. <laughs> that's a very nice gift, by the way, whoever participated in this gift of this five Buddha family. Okay, so here's the. Uh, Oh, what are you going to meditate on? <laughs> Do nothing. 
absolutely nothing. And what arises from that, rest in it. That's your instruction. <laughs> okay. Find your posture again. find that meditative state that you experienced earlier just by vividly recalling it. Let your determination be your energy, your drive, unfabricated drive, that's the only action, and let everything else just fall. Don't make the mind not think, don't make the mind think.
experiencing right now. And continue to dwell in it and think. That it becomes very opaque.
Body from head to toes. 